For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check out fivereasonsports.com for all the South Florida free sports content that you can handle. We don't have a paywall. Also, make sure you download the Dash Radio app and then look for the Nothing But Net channel. It's a simple search and you'll find us every day from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Pacific. We've also got a full-fledged YouTube channel. Close to 4,000 subscribers have found us over the past couple of months. We've got a lot of new shows, including a show from Tamar Brown and Kylie Wang, which is called Playing Catch-Up, and that airs every day, well, excuse me, every other day, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, a 10-minute catch-up with a little attitude on everything that's going on on South Florida sports. Also, you can find 90 Minutes Strong there on Air Miami and soccer and loaded bases on the Marlins and baseball. Also, three yards per carry, five rings, canes, balls, cast, light skin opinions, and Shulable are our other podcasts. I want to tell you about a great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All of our sponsors are local, including this one. And this is our friend Gabe over at the Gonzalez and Tybor Law Firm. This is a law firm that you want to find if you're having financial difficulty. You know, a recent report showed that over 45% of people use their stimulus checks to repay debt. This is money that could have and should have gone to cover living expenses. Even before the pandemic, household debt in this country, especially credit card debt, was going up and it was hurting families and small businesses. Nobody likes to consider bankruptcy as an option for dealing with your debt, but bankruptcy is one of the few laws that exist to actually help consumers. It gets a bad rap. So before you make another debt payment that you can't afford, or you do something drastic like empty out your 401k or borrow money from friends and family, why don't you talk to a professional about your options? That's Gonzalez and Tybor, bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com, 954-378-8184. That's 954-378-8184. An attorney will answer your call, or again, bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. Ask for a free consultation, which can also be done on the telephone or video conference. And now today's episode with a twist. We spoke to Jay Tilton of Exeter Hoop prior to the Heat closing out the Indiana Pacers in four games. So you'll hear a little bit of that at the end, what's going to happen with the series. We know now what happened to the series. It was kind of what we expected, but we think you'll enjoy this interview with somebody who knows Duncan Robinson really well. And now the episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954, brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome back to Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. You can also find us every day on the Dash Radio app. That's the Nothing Bennett channel, so download the Dash Radio app for free. And you'll find us on Nothing But Net if you search for it every day from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern and 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Pacific. Okay, now, this isn't just the best story in Miami sports. 
this is one of the best stories in sports in this country, <laughs> uh, big time sports, because of where a certain player came from and where he is now. And we wanted to get to the origins of the Duncan Robinson story, a guy who before the season, we were wondering if he would be in the rotation. And then not only was he in the rotation, he became a starter and then became the most prolific three-point shooter for a single season in Miami Heat history. And now arguably – uh, the best active shooter in the league, at least until those guys get back from Golden State. So we wanted to get to the beginning of it, and we got the chance today to bring in Jay Tilton. You can find him at Exeter Hoop on Twitter. He's the coach at Exeter, which is where Duncan Robinson played in high school, or one of the places that he played. And so, Jay, we really appreciate it. I want to start here. How long have you been coaching at Exeter? And um, just to kind of fill us in a little bit, when did you coach Duncan? Well, thanks for having me, fellas. It's uh, it's a pleasure to any time to have an opportunity to chat about Duncan. He's such a such a wonderful story and even better person. So thanks for having me on here. But so th this is my um, starting my nineteenth year at Exeter. Um, so it's 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 a it's a it's the strangest of all of them coming in with all, all of our uh, uh, restrictions with with the um, you know the COVID situation but we have our kids coming back so this will be year 19 for me and I did have a little bit of time to coach at the collegiate level prior to this so I've been doing it for quite a while uh, Duncan was with us for one year a postgraduate year uh, 2013 which was uh, earmarked a really illustrious year in our um, uh, basketball history uh, it's the first class eight championship the school ever won and he was MVP of the uh, championship game that year and had some real you know uh, great great highlights throughout the year and had some really good good players on that team and still to this day I don't know that anyone's I know no one in the past has, has um, reached that record we were 25 and one that year and I'm not sure how familiar you are with the prep school basketball scene but there's several kids that come out of this league who are I mean currently pros so you know it's he wasn't the only good player in our league. As a matter of fact, at that point, there was, he was a relative unknown coming into this season, uh, which is really part of his whole, his whole story. Uh, but yeah, so I had him for that one year, his postgraduate year in 2013 was his graduating year. Before we wow. get back into Duncan, um, tell us about Exeter. Uh, wh where is it located? I, I think a lot of people are familiar with Exeter, but for those who are not, uh, where is it located? I know it's known for academics. Um, it, how many how many kids go to the school? What what is this place like? Yeah, so uh, Phillips Exeter Academy is located in the southeast corner of New Hampshire. Uh, it's about t roughly twelve hundred students from all over the world. Um, and yes, it has a really strong tradition in academics. Uh, I, I like to think our basketball program has done quite well for itself, but. In all reality, I know we're a blip on the radar screen when it comes time to really discussing what the history is of the school. Um, and um, yeah, so we're, we're 15 minutes north of um, the Massachusetts border and 15 minutes south of, of Maine. So we're tucked right into the seacoast region. And um, ironically, you know, the, the NEPSAC, which is the New England Prep School Athletic uh, Conference, is just loaded with talent. And New Hampshire specifically has some of the top prep school talent in the country right here, you know, in our, in our small state. So it's a pretty unique um, situation that we, that we have here. 
Hey, 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 Jay, uh, Greg Sylvander here. It's, it's interesting to hear about that. It sounds like a completely different world from uh, sunny South Florida to some degree. And um, I, I guess I wanted to go even further back than um, Miami Heat, Duncan Robinson, and kind of um, unpack what it was like the first time you met Duncan Robinson. First impressions are always a big deal. Um, I'm interested to hear about like the first time you met him, um, Kind of what what takeaways did you have from that? Yeah, sure. You know, I, I met Duncan when he was quite young, um, and uh, his his older sister went to school here, and we knew his family a bit. But really, started to make more of a connection with him when he was. Uh, I want to say he he might have been either a junior or senior at at, at his uh, the governor's academy where he went before Exeter. Um, and ironically, I used to work out one of his best friends, uh, Tell White, who is a, um, someone who trains Duncan a lot now. Uh, you, you, you may have met him. But anyway, I, I used to train Tell when he was in high school, and Duncan used to tag along and go shoot in the gym. And I was kind of like an eye. I'm like, who is this you know, six-foot-four, super skinny, but, I mean, wow. I mean, he was like this smooth athlete that was just shooting on the side. I was like, that kid's going to look like he could be a pretty decent player if he got a pounder. 20 on him uh, at, at that stage, but you could tell he had something pretty good going, you know, at a, at a young age. Um, so I met him when probably he was maybe, you know, 15 or, or so, 15 or 16. And then, um, you know, he, he always had sort of the connection to Exeter through his family. Um, and as, as I mentioned, his sister went here. So he made the made the decision. He reached out and said he wanted to consider a postgraduate year along with a couple of his other buddies who are in the area. And fortunately, they're all really good students. Um, so we entertained the idea of kind of taking a, a small posse of them to, to come here. Um, and as I mentioned, he's only, he, he lives about 15 minutes from here. Mm -hmm. So his, he was pretty familiar with the campus as well. So he comes there, and like you said, uh, he was a skinny kid. We've seen some of the photos on social media of, of the, that transformation. Uh, how much of that transformation happened uh, under you guys at Exeter, or was it later where some of that weight and height uh, went on him? Because it was both. It was, it, he got cut up, but he also got a lot taller real quick. Yeah, you know, of course, we'd love to be able to take credit for, for doing that, but if that was, you know, truly the case of making kids taller and – <laughs> 25 pounds heavier. You'd be doing it all the time, right? Well, I don't know about the taller part. I don't, I don't think you stretched it. I'd be on the beach someplace right now. I wouldn't be doing it anymore. Um, but, you know, actually, to be totally honest with you, I think one of the neat things about uh, and kind of an advantage of the recruiting piece for us at the, at the academy here is we just have unbelievable facilities and trainers here. It is, uh, it's, you know, uh, state-of-the-art. Um, opportunity for for kids to to develop here and I think a lot of postgraduates in particular who are really good students you know we kind of specialize in that late bloomer um, maybe the kid who was injured or it's just you know thin and it just needs more time to get bigger and stronger to play at that next level regardless of where they, they may be headed um, and Duncan was kind of no different than that he was Definitely, you know, he still kind of has a bit of that that boyish look to him now. But you know, when he was, you saw you saw some of those photos of him when he was younger. He was way behind the curve physically, um, just that game. But you know, he had big feet and just kind of just sort of had that uh, moments of brilliance. But all the moments where he looked like he was wearing snowshoes when he was out there when he was quite young. Um, 
and he's just started to grow into that. But I think we got him at the right time. Um, you know, at his, his age, his body was really ready to start developing under the right guidance. And we had that for him here. And um, he fully, I'll give him all the credit. I mean, he took full advantage of every single opportunity that he had here to get better. Um, and so I think this was probably a bit of a springboard for that. And he clearly, you know, took that, uh, that approach for every place he's been where he just keeps ascending and, and um, getting the most out of the opportunities he has. It's really interesting when you talk about approach because um, in in conversations and seeing reports from Heat scouts uh, like Chet Cameron and such, they talked about when they went to see him at a workout, I believe it was in California, if I remember correctly, and they um, essentially when they saw him shooting the ball, that was the one thing that really stuck out. In the, fir the first time that they saw him, there was that unique skill that could be cultivated and maximized. And I wonder when you saw him back then, did that skill, um, obviously he was probably a great shooter in, in relatively speaking with the other kids in the gym, but did that really jump off the page the way that it did to the Miami Heat scouts to you when you first saw him shoot? Now, Duncan couldn't shoot a little bit before we got him. We taught him everything. No, no, I don't. Love it. <laughs> you know, he was always a good, sh a good shooter, and he. Um, I wouldn't say like he, he when we were recruiting him or he we were evaluating in at that time. He was probably about six, six, maybe six, seven, going into his postgraduate year. Like he was a big, long wing who could shoot but it wasn't like he's an elite shooter at that point. It was kind of like everything was sort of coming together for him. I was really impressed, you know, with, you know, his feel for the game at that, at that age uh, was, was, you know, he's ahead of the curve in that area for sure. At six, seven, his ability to, you know, his versatile, I thought he could really pass it. That's the thing that, that really I was um, amazed with. And he always moved well without the ball. He was, you know, some people cut hard, but other people cut efficiently and, and intelligently. And that's kind of what he was like. He just had a good feel and, and um, he'd get bumped off the cuts a lot because he was still skinny and not really, you know, physically ready to handle it at that point. But you could see all the things that you couldn't teach were already there. So it's just like a matter of time. Like, when is this going to kick in for him? And once he gets stronger and, and his maturity, physical maturity catches up, you kind of, you could tell he was going to be pretty, pretty good. And he was a really good fit for the way we like to play here. Um, you know, so it all sort of just kind of came, started to come together for him at, the, um, at that stage. So he has that terrific season for you. And, and then obviously he's going to go on to college. So, how did it happen that he ended up at Williams? I mean, I'll speak to you as a, I went to a D3 school. I didn't play ball. Um, I can tell you, not that kind of ball anyway. Uh, but I went to Johns Hopkins, and so Williams was on our schedule. So, uh, you know, I, I, I lived with two basketball players. The center was 6'2", uh, and the power forward was 6'1". And, and, you know, they, I had to hop over them uh, in my suite to get back to my room because they'd be passed out before games. But that's a whole nother story. Uh, but basically, I, I remember uh, going to Williams, actually, uh, for a couple of games because I was covering the Johns Hopkins basketball team at the time. And uh, it just doesn't seem to be like a place that – I know they've, they've had a good program, but it doesn't seem to me like a place that a guy who ended up in the NBA – now starting in the NBA playoffs would start. How did that happen? Yeah, you know, well, you know, when when Duncan made the commitment to doing a postgraduate year here, he was playing on the um, 
on the AAU circuit. He played with Middlesex Magic, which is a really um, sort of elite program in this area. And um, they have good players that are all, you know, mainly those kids are looking at the same sort of cohort of schools, which are sort of the, you know, the Williams, the Hopkins, the ID Patriot. This is just sort of that's what their program is made up of. And um, we had three kids, including Duncan, playing on that team. So, you know, I think you kind of get, you know, you got a lot of those coaches from those schools who are naturally at those games and following them and, and got familiar with, with Duncan. And um, the problem, I think, where he kind of got overshadowed a bit was, again, going back to the fact that he was just a little bit physically immature at that point. It's just his core strength wasn't there. He was dealing with a little bit of the back injury, so he was in and out a lot. So, you know, one of the, I, I think one of the more challenging things for, for college coaches is just pulling the trigger on kids a lot. And so much of it is hearsay. And the, the one question that college coaches ask me that probably bugs me the most when they're recruiting our kids is, well, who else is recruiting? I said, well, if you are, that's really all that matters. But um, a lot of times I think that's hard when it, it takes one school to really, to really put their, you know, their stamp on a kid and then, then the rest jump on it. And we had some other kids in our program. We had a big 10 player in our program who got a scholarship at Wisconsin that summer. And, uh, we had a couple other kids that were physically ahead of Duncan at that point um, I, I, who were just good Division three players, but they had probably already pretty much maximized their ceiling, uh, and he wasn't there. So, you know, so he got pushed around a little bit at times, and he had had moments where he was just brilliant at our fall open gyms, but no one really pulled the trigger. But that summer, prior to uh, the kids matriculating to school, I, we always do something with our group you know, we always have some new kids coming in every year and we try to build that chemistry. And we had, um, uh, we had a, like a four day long weekend. We get the kids together. We went to Dartmouth. We took a trip down to a couple of really good division three schools in the area. We did some whitewater rafting. It was just this great opportunity we had. But one of the stops we made was at Williams college and coach Mike maker was there at the time. It was one of his first couple years. And Mike and I actually coached together. He's a very good friend of mine. We coached together at Dartmouth years ago. Uh, so he invited us down and, and just spoke with such great passion about his program. And, you know, one thing about Duncan, that, that young man loves basketball. I mean, if, if there's one thing I could say that really drives him, is just he just loves basketball and was so taken by what Coach Maker had to offer. And, and he, he could tell that, you know, he had this sort of that similar passion for it, um, that he was just super, you know, excited about that trip we made out there we played that night with with some of their guys that are alumni from their camp and um it was just a great you know opportunity for him so when we got back in in the fall as i said we had some of these other kids who were getting more attention and duncan just sort of got passed by and eventually he said hey you know what i mean we had other kids going to that level it made sense he loved it they really wanted him um early decision came around, his family was on board. He said, Let, let's go. And Williams is such a good program. Anyway, he knew he had a chance to get an elite education and play for a national championship every single year. Now, if you said that to any athlete going in, yeah, they're taking it. And you took, and you took the, the level out of the, out of the, the, the equation there. I mean, who wouldn't want to be having that on the radar screen for them? So that was the situation and he committed to it and um, you know, and he had a great season for us and, you know, clearly over 
over time, more and more people started to say, oh boy, how did we miss on that one? That was kind of the common thing that we heard as the season rolled on. You know, um, you, you touched on something when you were uh, talking about how um, he kind of got lost in the shuffle and there were other guys that maybe were D3 level talents, but they were kind of, they reached their ceiling then. And Duncan clearly was a player that had yet to be maximized and had a lot more room to grow. Um, I wonder from your perspective, who's coached him and seen this ascension, uh, what do you think is Duncan Robinson's ceiling? And, I, and obviously, I know that uh, you'll speak glowingly of him no matter what. But truthfully, like uh, in a realistic perspective, where, how good do you think he can be? Because, you know, Heat fans are looking at him as a player who literally, like we expect the shot to go in every single time he shoots. Um, so I'd be interested from a coach's perspective to, to know, like, what you think his ceiling is. Well, I don't think anybody expects him to go in more than he does. Um, he, he's always been like that. And, um, you know, I think it's funny. I think when I think about your, your question, he's had these like uh, monumental sort of leaps over, over time where you think he's going to level off and all of a sudden something big happens. And I remember, you know, he had, a, as we say, he had a really good season for us, but like that spring of his postgraduate year, um, he got, he somehow got into that, um, the Nick Stauskas record that that uh, that five minute three point shooting contest that was on YouTube, and this is long before he had any affiliation with, uh, with with Michigan. But he and a couple of his teammates here, Harry Rafferty and a couple other guys, who were just they were like so into beating that record. That's all they did. They set the gun up in our gym, and you know all the other kids are doing their own social things on campus. And Duncan and a couple of his other basketball nerd buddies are in there just trying to beat that record constantly, constantly, constantly. And I think that was kind of like where his, he just sort of became a next level shooter. And then, um, you know, and I, and I think people didn't see it because he was doing it in a gym on a weekend. And then that summer, we, the, the, the next trip we took as a team, I actually brought Duncan and four of his teammates and five of our new kids coming in. We went over to, Sweden, Iceland, and Denmark, we had an opportunity to go over there and play some professional teams. And we played the top team in Sweden on that trip. And they had a, they had a terrific player, they, you know, they had, they had men. And we were still high school kids basically at that time. Duncan lit up Malmo for 43. Um, and and um, I, that's when I was like, what in the world's going on here? Like, he's just a different animal now. Uh, when I saw him doing that, he was on, he was fairly unstructured and um, it was, and it was really good basketball because as you know, European basketball is pretty, pretty, pretty sound. Um, and I called back to coach maker at, at Williams when I get back to that trip and said, uh, you, you really did steal one here. Um, he was, he was just terrific. And then of course, you know, I think he kind of had, he had a, a great year at Williams. He was a national rookie of the year and, he kind of made that next jump. What they did with him there was really good. It was a great fit for the way he played. Um, and his body was starting, was continuing to mature. And then he kind of a little bit went into relative obscurity because he had to take the year off mm -hmm. going to Michigan. And then, of course, that was a big, that was a big leap for him um, and had a lot of things he had to work on defensively. I think it was his biggest transition there. Um, and, of course, it, you know, it came together. Now he's just made this other huge leap. I think the thing that really – I'm most impressed with now is one, how he has become a, um, a far better defender than he was. It was something he had to put a lot of time into um, and really commit to doing that. 
And, you know, of course, now the other, the other thing, too, is I, I just love watching a movie without the basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is just – it's just – it's incredible what, what they're doing with him. Um, he's smart. It works well with his natural talents and his, uh, his just mindset. And, and like I said before, there isn't a shot that he puts up that he doesn't think is going in. Glad to see him trying to think that, too. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, we're going to go to a quick break here. And then after that, I, we're going to close up with Jay Tilton. But I want to get into a little bit more about what he's talking about here with what the Heat have done with him. All right, back here on five on the floor with Jay Tilton, the coach at Exeter, Coach Duncan Robinson in his postgraduate year before he went to Williams and then went to Michigan. When you and I were setting this up, you told me that you had sent Duncan a text. I think it was before game one. Uh, saying you're the best shooter in the world (laughs) or something along those lines, Uh, which rung a bell because when Eric Spolstra was talking about Duncan Robinson during the preseason and Duncan wasn't making a shot, he was still telling the media Duncan Robinson is the best shooter on the planet. Um, And it was, we were like, really? Like that guy? Like we're not quite sure about that. And now I don't think anybody would disagree. Um, can you speak to kind of a, what your relationship is with him now? Cause obviously you still have one and also the confidence level, because another story that I tell a lot here, uh, is that Duncan told me that the first time that he interacted with Jimmy Butler here in Miami during an open run, Jimmy made the mistake of going under a screen and Duncan told him after that, don't ever do that again. <laughs> uh, which, which if you're saying that back to Jimmy Butler, a, you've got balls and B, uh, you've probably earned Jimmy's respect, which is what has happened since. So I throw, knew I threw a lot at you, but uh, some of that stuff. Yeah, you know, that, that's a funny story. I didn't hear that one about going on the ball screen. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's not a good idea to go in under any ball screen. Well, you know, in, in, in all truthfulness now, watching what they're doing with him, of course, everyone's chase, 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 as you have to with him. And they've done such an amazing job of creating space around the rim that I mean you chase him he slips uh and he's getting and he's getting layups and I, I I think it was yesterday's game someone said he'd only taken one two-point attempt since August 5th or something like that but the fact that people have to chase him around these screens is creating so much more space for everybody else he, he could probably go in an entire game without getting a shot and I and, you know no one wants that but he's making four guys on the floor better all the time because of it there's so much attention on that special thing that he, he can do. Um, and, you know, to his credit, he's done a, he's done a lot where he's been able to now, he doesn't need much space. They just get him a little bit and he, he can do the rest. Um, I know that when he was playing in the, um, in the G league, that was a really, a, a real big part of his development. I know it was not a, an easy thing to do and he was flying across you know he's flying up north to Dakotas to do that and I think most people said boy he must love being in Miami he actually really enjoyed being playing in the G League team because he got to do so much they asked him to take such tough shots all the time and to experiment into and I don't know how, how the heck anyone can actually coach that when you when you're told you get mandated for all these things players have to do each game but he was hoisting tough shots all the time they wanted him to experiment and do that um so i think that's probably been part of his development now too but yeah he's really kind of put it all all together but and he'll be the first to tell you he always gives everyone else tons of credit for what they've done and that's true He, he is a very genuine kid i think everywhere that he's been um he's taken something good away from that experience 
Uh, he never forgets that. He's exceptionally humble. Um, I will always have a good relationship with him. You know, every time I chat with him, the last thing he would Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. He wants to talk about is Duncan. You know, he always wants to know what's going on with our team and my family and, and things back at Exeter. He's like that with everybody. It's, and he's, he's just genuine like that. Um, that's but yeah, it's, it's been a real lot of fun to watch these monumental sort of leaps in his game he's had over the time. I got um, two quick ones before um, Ethan closes with you. Uh, one is um, NBA fans in general, Heat fans specifically, love player comps. And um, there's been a lot of talk about uh, is Duncan Robinson like a Clay Thompson or is he like um, – I, I guess I'd be interested, one, to hear when you think about player comparisons, what player jumps off the, the page to you – from Duncan Robinson's perspective? And two, do you know if you are hiding any other best shooters in the world coming through the pipelines that you're currently coaching? <laughs> uh, well, if I told you, they wouldn't be hidden anymore. It's like a fishing hole. You can't give that up. Uh, we have had some pretty good shooters here in time. And, um, but, you know, to, to live up to what Duncan's doing, that's really hard. Because to get back to your other question, uh, when he was playing – in that AU circle we were watching, we always used to, uh, Mike Maker and I, uh, when he were chatting about what he thought he was as a player, we used to say he was like a young Mike Dunleavy. That's what we used to think he was when he was younger. Um, and now, yeah, you know, I don't know. He's pretty unique, what he's doing. He's pretty unique. So I think I, I, I'm going to take the run. I'm going to compare other people to him for now on and see if they can go up to that. But the hard part, and it's so unfair for any of the kids where we have now that we're saying, well, he's kind of like Duncan was. And he's like, stop. I don't, I don't want to put any sort of pressure on a kid to be like that. Because um, he is always – Duncan's always been himself. You know, a lot of you always want to know, when did Duncan Robinson become Duncan Robinson? He's always been true to himself. And – He's always been and, and remains a really, I think, one of the, aside from his passion for the game, he's a remarkably um, mentally tough kid. If you think about the stages that he's gone through and um, having to constantly prove himself, and I don't think he's driven to prove himself. I, I just think he's had to prove himself in the eyes of others. But he just loves to play. He goes out. He, he meshes well with any person he ingratiates himself to anybody uh to everyone he meets he's just a just a, a good person so you know I'm, I'm not surprised he can give it to someone like jimmy butler but i, I know he can he he can um i'm sure this is the kind of guy who who uh i know he said this he, he's learned a lot from the guys that he's played with and he respects those guys tremendously and he's having a time of his life right now you mentioned the defense, and, and I, I think that we've seen him make strides on that end. I, I know that one of Eric Spolstra's frustrations, and I remember Eric talking about this a lot during the season, was that you know they were going to get some tape ready to send to the officials because they feel like Duncan gets officiated uh, in a different way than just about anybody else. Um, I'm wondering, as his former coach, do you sympathize 
with his current coach that maybe Duncan doesn't get the benefit of the doubt uh, from the officials on that end. Cause it, it does seem like he may be in the same position as another guy is in, but Duncan's going to get a whistle for that. Um, uh, do, uh, do you sympathize with it? And, and do you think it changes maybe for him? Because I, to me, that's the only thing keeping him from closing, you know, games for the heat all the time, you know, is that, is that cause they want him on the floor to stretch it. Cause they're the best offense in the league when he's on the court um, by all the metrics. But they just we've had some situations this year that we've seen that he's been targeted defensively in part because of the way the officials uh, whistle him. Yeah, you know, I, that's a tough question. I, I think, you know, like, like everybody else in the NBA, you, gotta, you have to earn it. You know, you have to earn it. He's earned everything he's had so far. He'll earn that too. He will. Um, it may be this, the steepest part of the curve he has to, to, um, to climb, but he's climbed a ton of it already. But he'll eventually earn that, and I and I think yeah, sort of those reputations do follow a bit. But the only the only way to shed that is to actually, you know, get the stops that you need at the important times, just like he has with the other parts of his game. And I think he's really he's done a remarkable job in that area, and it's growing. And you know, there are times now that he's in. I, I know he's in the game during situations where in the past he may not have been. Um, and it's not just because he can shoot, because clearly at that level you you have to do more. You can't just be a one trick mm-hmm. pony. Um, and his, his game's grown a lot. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's probably fighting a little bit of that reputation, but um, he's, he's better than that, and I think he's going to continue to be better. Two final things. Have you gotten a chance to see him in person with the Heat yet? And, and then I, I'm, I'm, I saved this for last. You've given us some throughout, but I need your best Duncan Robinson story that will, that will symbolize his personality. But let's start with this. Have, have you gotten a chance to, to go to any Heat games since he's been with Miami? Not in Miami. I saw him in Boston. Um, Duncan got me a nosebleed seat for that one. No, <laughs> yeah, she had me. He got me a nice. He got me a nice one right down on the floor with uh, a couple of our former coaches. So I was really, really appreciated that. So I was um, had a chance to see him there. I saw him last year when he was inactive just before the game. But you know, again, I just wanted to see him. It was great to see him. I, uh, probably the most fun I've had seeing him play outside of an extra uniform is when he played in the. Um, when he played in the Division Three Final Four down in Virginia, and he just had a, a heck of a weekend. They lost in the finals, but he, he was just spectacular in both games. That was a lot of fun to see him play there as well. Uh, funny Duncan stories. Now, he's probably improving this now, but he used to, be re- he used to have a real hard time with geography. Um, when he, when he signed on to go to, go to Williams, we had to like draw maps for him of how he was going to get there. And it's like, Duncan, it's, it's, I know it's three hours away from here, but it's, it's in New England. It's not that far away. So the fact that he's been in, you know, Williamstown, Mass, and then he was in, you know, Ann Arbor, and then he's off to the Dakotas and Miami. I think he's probably improved his geography a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, he's, um, he, he's always, you know, he's a, he's a guy with a, always has a big smile. Uh, again, always wants to know how, how other people are doing. And, you know, his one year he had here, he had, he, he's made some lifelong friends from that group. I know it's still kind of part of his posse here. And it's not just because he's a good basketball player. It's because they've, you know, they got along really well. And he was always a big part of the, of the great chemistry that we, that we had here. So I'm appreciative of the opportunity if I had to coach him and, you know, more appreciative of the, uh, the friendship that we have now. 
Jay Tilton, you can follow him at Exeter Hoop. Um, Jay, just for appearing on Five on the Floor, we're going to get you what is sort of our Duncan Robinson shirt. We don't have an official Duncan shirt yet, but we do have a We Got Shooters shirt. So Ooh. make sure make sure that you DM me um, a, a size and an address, and, and I'll get that to you. Uh, Jay, really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate it. And uh, let's see uh, the heat close this baby out. Thanks, Jay. I think by the time this airs, I think they probably already will have. So uh, we're, we're feeling pretty good about that. We'll see what happens against Milwaukee. Thanks, Coach. All right, take care, guys. All right, we'll be back with the second part of our episode. But first, a word from another of our great local sponsors. I want to introduce you to another of the great new sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. And it is a sponsor that would be important in any time if you want to have a beautiful workspace. But it's especially important now when you need a safe one as well. And that's safe cubbies.com which offers modular office solutions designed to elevate your open office into a modern and safe environment at any budget you can personalize your workspace with options like whiteboards magnetic panels acrylic sheets and graphic branding most of the surfaces are non-porous for easy cleaning and can be removed or replaced within minutes now this is for workplaces they've got a bunch of different options on their professional series but also they've got private room solutions dividers and sneeze guards and they have a classroom series as well so if you're involved with the school this is definitely something your school should check out of course if we have school in the fall and that's the point here we were entering a new normal period with COVID-19 safecubbies.com which is locally owned is the place that you want to go the phone number is 754-216-1071 again that's 754-216-1071 or safecubbies.com all right, thanks again to Safe Cubbies. One of the things we're going to start doing a little bit more here on Five on the Floor is giving you the sound directly from the players and the coach of the Miami Heat. So we've got sound from three of them. This came after the Game 4 win against Indiana. This is them in their own words. Of course, the questions are being asked by mostly South Florida media. First question, Ira Winderman. Jimmy, can you please take us through the process of when the shoulder became problematic, whether you knew you're going to be able to play or not? Uh, how come you had to leave in the first half and the decision to return in the second half? Thank you. Uh, I mean, my shoulder was hurting a little bit after last game. Uh, it was hurting before the game, but as I was warming up, I was like, maybe it'll loosen up and maybe I'll be able to uh, play at 100% or whatever it was. Wasn't the case, went to the back. Did a little bit of work, and then um, we decided, you know what, we're going to go out there and we're going to just lock in on defense. I think I did that, played hard, and affected the game besides scoring and on offensive end. And then you told us all season how it's not just about you, it's about everyone. What's it like to see K Nunn finally get his chance, come in, drain a three, and, and, and help the team sort of push through it while you were out? Uh, that's everybody on the roster, man. We're, we're happy for him because you never knew when his name was going to be called. But the pro that he is, the way he's been paying attention to the game plan, the way he's still been working on his game, he was ready. And that's all that you can ask of our young guys. Um, I think he did a great job of coming in and doing exactly what he's been doing all year long. We're happy for him. And, and you never know what that did for him in, in Coach's mind. Anthony Chang. Hey, Jimmy. Playing through the pain in the second half, how much did it, the shoulder limit you? And is it is it an issue that you hope, you know, with these next four or five days off, maybe before the second round, that that time off could help, uh, you know, help it heal a little bit before, before yeah, things. Um, 
I'll be okay. Um, figure this thing out, do more and more treatment on it every day. Um, Armando Rivas is my guy. He always takes great care of me, the whole um, heat training staff. I'll be fine, um, rest up, and, and lock in on our next opponent. Tim Reynolds. Jimmy, congrats on the win. You've, you've obviously won series before, but this is your first sweep. I'm wondering if that has any significance for you. Nah, um, it's just a, another way to advance. As long as we get to four, you know, I don't care if it was game seven. As long as we advance and go into the next round, I'm happy. Um, but I'm happy I got to get my first sweep with this group of guys. I think that's special. Um, I think this group works incredibly hard um, together through thick and thin. So it's a it's a real um, pleasure to be able to compete with these guys. And what's it mean to you too that I mean it's kind of been the way you guys have been all year. It hasn't just been Jimmy every game. It hasn't just been Bam every game. It's been somebody different almost every quarter for you guys. Forget every game. How how neat just has that been to be part of that? It's fun. Um, we love when other guys are successful. Um, we hype them up. We tell them to keep attacking. If you're getting stops, keep getting stops. Um, that's the way basketball should be played. You should have fun. You should um, enjoy the game. And you can see that in how we play. We share the ball. We're excited as I don't know what when somebody hits a three or DJ gets a big dump um, or somebody takes a charge. Um, it's so fun to play that way. And I'm, I'm happy that we continue to play that way. Nick Friedel. Jimmy, obviously that other series still has to play out. But if it does happen to be the Bucks. What is the biggest key in slowing down Giannis from your experience with him throughout his career, but especially in this uh, season? We don't know who it's going to be, so I can't answer that question. Um, that series isn't over yet. I'm not counting anybody out. So come back in however many days, and I might be able to tell you the answer to that question. Cooper Moorhead. Jimmy, as one of the vets on the team, what's going to be your message over the next few days to the younger guys as far as how much more difficult it gets from here on out? They know. Um, you know, everybody's always asking, what do you tell these young guys and, and how do you get these young guys prepared? They know. You know, you come into it, you, you play basketball the exact same way. Um, you just may be guarding a different style of player. We may be, you know, <clears throat> closing out differently or a different coverage on a screen. But they study the film. They pay attention. They're, they're coachable. Um, we just tell them, go out there and have fun. Keep playing basketball that we have been playing all year long. Miami Heat, way, and we'll be fine. Brendan Tobin. Yeah, Jimmy Bam was just saying that he thinks you guys have another gear that you can hit. Uh, you guys just had a perfect series, but do you still feel like the team play can get a lot better as the games get harder? Without a doubt, um, we're, we're, we're confident. I don't want us to ever get comfortable. I want us to keep getting better every single day, every single possession. Um, and I think we're capable of doing that. But the, the biggest thing is everybody cares. Everybody wants to be great. Everybody wants everybody else to succeed, including themselves. Um, and we just got a hell of a, a coaching staff that has us prepared for anything in, in, in all moments of the game. So when you put all that together, yeah, we don't got no choice but to get better. Clay Ferraro. Hey, Jimmy, the camera was cutting over to you a bit in that fourth quarter when you were on the bench and, and guys were stepping up. What does it mean to you as the guy that everybody points to as the leader on this team to see those younger guys stepping up while while you're on the sideline? Um, to me, it's, it's normal. 
like it may catch some people uh, by surprise, but I, I see this every single day in practice, you know, when we don't have practice and these guys still go to the gym all year long and however many games that we played, like they're always taking and making big shots and in the right position on defense and just playing hard, getting on the floor for a loose ball. You know, Tyler got, I don't know, three offensive rebounds in a row or something like that. Like that's winning basketball. And we preach that to him every single day. Spo is always talking about ball in the air, ball on the floor. Those are championship habits, championship plays. Um, obviously the kid can put the ball in the basket, but as long as everybody is playing hard, like you can't help but to be happy for him. Anthony Chang, last question. You've spoken highly about the Heat's coaching staff all season, but what did you learn about that the staff uh, in this first round, these in these four playoff games, just the way they prepare, help prepare you guys, and, and the adjustments they made? Look, they're they're in it just like we are. Uh, a lot of the times, you would think that Spo is out there playing with us, or, or or Chris Quinn, or AC, because they're so locked into it. They're telling us what we see. I mean, what they see, we're telling them what we see. Uh, everybody's so engaged into the game, and obviously they study the film and they're just um, making adjustments on the fly. It's, it's actually fun to be a part of, fun to watch, and fun to learn um, how their mind works. All right, Jimmy, thank you for your time. Appreciate Great. you. Put my mask on, fucking one arm. Congratulations. We'll get started. First question will be Ira Winderman. Eric, can you take us through the process with Jimmy? They were showing on TV. It appeared his shoulder was even hurting before the game. How that stood, the decision to take him out for the rest of the first half, then going back in the second half, and just his grit to push through, please. Uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, obviously he's built up a resume uh, over the course of his career, uh, being able to play through various injuries. Uh, his, question, uh, his toughness will never be uh, questioned. Uh, but we had to take a look at it in the second quarter. Uh, it, you know, I wasn't feeling great coming in, and then he got jarred again. He probably got jarred in that shoulder three or four times during the course of the game. That's just usually the way it works out. Uh, but in the second half, uh, he gave us some really good competitive minutes uh, out there. You know, just gotten through it. Um, and uh, and then hopefully we'll have now a, a few days for him to, to recover. And then there's Bam, bloodied shoulder and all, but big double-double yeah. sort of being a powerful force. Your thoughts on his efforts, please. He was so big on the glass. Uh, the six offensive rebounds, but uh, everything else uh, on the defensive end, either switching onto their guards, protecting on at the rim uh, if, if somebody got beat off the dribble, uh, trapping when necessary, uh, and then finishing off uh, our defense uh, with, with great – um, pursuit of the ball, uh, but that's that's who Bam is. He's a winner. I'm I'm I'm, I'm so glad that uh, he's able to experience, you know, like everybody else, uh, uh, a first round win uh, where he had a major impact. And I don't care what the the stats said. Tim Reynolds, oh, Eric, the um, the earliest you play again is Friday. How valuable, especially in this every other day scenario, how valuable are three days going to feel like? Right? It's are, important it for, for any team. Uh, but, you know, we have some some veteran guys and and uh, they're professionals, so they know how to, to take care of themselves. But, yeah, we could we could use uh, a couple days, you know, particularly the guys that I was extending time. I played Goran a, a lot of minutes in this series. He was he was so good. It was tough to take him out. 
and you kind of took me to my follow-up. How important was it to finally get Kendrick his his you know his first playoff minutes? It was so great uh, to see that and to see everybody's response uh, to him getting in there. We knew that it it, it was a matter of time before uh, he was going to have some kind of opportunity to get in there. Uh, whether it was foul trouble or somebody you know, having a, uh, an injury. Uh, he's been putting in the time. Uh, these are unfortunate situations. You know, something, sometimes things aren't fair, uh, but he kept himself ready. Uh, and, and you can see how he really helps our, our basketball team. He's a two-way player. He can defend the ball. Uh, and he's an offensive guy that uh, you need in the playoffs. You need threats, guys that can, uh, that can make some shots, and, and he can do that. Mateo Mayorga. Hey, Coach Spo. In the three wins prior to this game, the Heat were averaging 35 free throw attempts per game, and in tonight's win, they only took 14, the last coming in the final 30 seconds of the game. What did Indiana do differently on the defensive end to limit placing Miami on the line, sir? Uh, I don't know. Or, you know, they probably uh, weren't, uh, or they're probably you know, really focused on doing things uh, with more discipline uh, after the last couple of games. You know, Jimmy uh, having a shoulder um, injury with, uh, wasn't colliding into people offensively as much as, you know, he typically does. But, you know, you have to find different ways to win, and you're not always going to be able to get the 30-plus free throw attempts, and we're able to, to get enough things uh, tonight offensively uh, to get the win and the series win. Hey, Ferraro. Spo, you talk about making winning plays, and you see Tyler Hero come up with the offensive rebounds at the end. We talk so much about his offense, but what does it mean to see him go out there in this moment as a rookie and do what he did tonight? We need him. Uh, I don't think we have it designed in our offensive system for him to be you know, an offensive rebounder, but he, he went after the ball, and those were loose balls, and he put his nose on it. He has a knack for being around the ball, but more importantly, He's improving uh, defensively. Uh, he's learning what playoff basketball is all about, the intens intensity level, and how every single matchup and every single possession matters. And then offensively, he's uh, a, a serious weapon for us. Uh, he, he can play off the ball, which is important, but he also can have the ball in his hands and make plays for our team, and that's, that's only getting better. Nick Friedel. Oh, as far as treatment goes for Jimmy in the next few days, do you, do you get him an MRI? How does the structure uh, work? It's, it's soft tissue. So he already uh, was checked out by uh, all of our trainers and, and everything. What he needs more than anything is just rest, and then he'll start to, to work his way back uh, into it. I asked him if he's like Wolverine, if he, if he heals like that. I have seen some other injuries that looked more significant. Uh, not than this, just they look like they're, you know, tough injuries, and he comes back the next day and he's ready to go. So but just for clarity, clear. he had the MRI, it came back clean? No MRI, it's just it's soft tissue. It's a, Got to. Yeah. If, it, if we feel like we need to, we will, but at this point, no. Last question, Ellie Adams, CTV. Hey, Coach, um, this team has managed to break um, some kind of record every single game of this series. Um, what does that say about the team and just how they're playing together? I'm not sure, Ellie. I didn't even know we broke uh, some records. I think just the most important thing was we got the win tonight and, and we're able to close the series. Uh, you know, the veteran guys and our, and our staff have really 
I've tried to impress upon our young players that it is extremely hard to win in the playoffs and even harder to, to close a series. Uh, our young guys really understood that in this series. It was, it was so competitive. There were turning points in every single game that could go either way. Unfortunately, they're in our favor. And then as you, you know, move on, competition, you know, raises and, and your game has to raise as well. Thank you, Spo. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Tom. All right, we'll get started. Um, Ira Winderman, first question. Okay, you guys all have spoken all year about the depth of talent of this team where you can pick up for each other. So you see Jimmy go out after six minutes in the first half. Other guys step up. Bam steps up big time. Goron again. Is this what you knew all along about this team? And how enjoyable is it to see it play out this way in the playoffs? I mean, well, first of all, I got to tip my hat off to my young fella, K-9, for stepping in. It's been tough for him mentally. Uh, he was in the rotation all year, and to come in and give us minutes tonight on the closing game was huge for us. Uh, it was next man up mentality, of course, when Jimmy went down. Uh, but it's been good for us to have play, with, play with so many different bodies and having so many different bodies that we can count on and uh, guys just staying ready. If their number's called at, at, at any time of the game, just being ready. And I think uh, tonight it really came it really came into, into play for us, and uh, it was able to work itself out. Anthony Chang. Hey, Jay, how, how important will this these next few days be just to get a get a, a few days off, especially with Jimmy and his shoulder? And I know you've been battling a little bit of an ankle issue as well. How you know how important will these next few days be to get prepared for the next rounds? It's critical for us to take care of our bodies right now. Um, my ankle is flaring up, so being my ankle's the size of a golf ball right now. Uh, so I'm going to take the time and try to get my body to where it needs to be for for another series. So. Um, I'm sure Jimmy will do the same thing. It's, it's, it's key for us. I felt like this game was good for us to get a day, get a day or two rest uh, before the next series. And I, I honestly feel like guys are are feeling it uh, with their bodies and stuff. G as well. G came in just after the game. He's just feeling it. But um, it's, a, it's it's a gauntlet right now. We're in we're in the, we're in the thick of the, the fight. And I feel like this time of the year is is uh, you see the finish line and you just try to do whatever it takes to get to the finish line and, and hold hold the trophy up. So we're gonna take care of our bodies and do what we have to do. And you never know how young guys are going to respond in the playoffs. But you mentioned Kendrick. I mean, there's Bam, there's Duncan, there's Tyler. What did you learn about, you know, this team's young core in this first round? Well, they just attacked the moment. I think they, 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 stay, they put so much work into um, the game plan and, and knowing the game plan. Uh, they felt like once they get in the game, it's just playing basketball. You're not too, thinking too much. Uh, I just like how we just attacked the moment as a young, as a, our young players, just when their number is called. Um, not shying away from the moment, attacking it and being themselves. I, I feel like a lot of guys get to this stage and may shy away from it, but our young core really attacked the moment and it, and it paid off big time this series. Andres Lopez. Thank you. Jay, at the very beginning of the game, you had a couple of very big plays. You started off making buckets, getting stops on defense, specifically you. What was your mentality going into this game, knowing that you guys could potentially close out the series with a sweep? I just wanted to impose our will early. I just wanted these guys, to, uh, our opposing team, to fill us. I wanted Indiana to fill us from the jump. And um, I wanted our guys to, to, to see uh, what type of level we had to play at to, to, to win this game. And I felt like um, I just wanted to set a tone. Whether I wanted to set a positive tone. Obviously, I was able to make some shots and uh, get some stops. But I just wanted to set a tone, and hopefully our guys and our team uh, follow. So um, that's, that's, that was my mindset coming into it. And I just like the way we um, had a good first half and was able to close the game in the second half. Come All right, Jay. Jay, that looks like it's it. Thank you for your time. Welcome. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.